Hello, and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Cara Babcock, pronouns she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, and we're currently on season three. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now on to the episode. Season three, episode three, Faith, Hope, Oh my god, I never realized until I just read that out now that that's the name of all of the characters that are introduced in this episode. Well, there's no hope, right? Isn't it Scott Hope? Oh, okay, there you go. Duh. (laughs) Duh. I I knew it was names. I just, um, I don't know, I forget about Scott. Well, well, I mean, yeah, he's so milquetoast. He's so forgettable. He's so white bread. I don't even remember where his storyline goes. That's how much I forgot about Scott. Well, he be- he becomes the new big bad in season four. Of course, yes. And um, him and Willow have a very turbulent love-hate relationship going for it. But yeah, literally reading that out now, because one of my points when I was taking notes for this episode was, why the title? And now it's like how so obvious. It's so clear. Yeah, yeah, so many new characters in this episode. It, well, this is the start of season three in some ways right like the first two episodes were a coda to season two they were the transition from season two to season three Mm -hmm. but in this episode we have buffy coming back to school we have a new slayer being introduced and new bad guys and it's not entirely clear which of the bad guys are going to stick around but groundwork's being laid. We don't really know where it's going, which is great, but stuff is happening. So that's exciting. Yeah. And and because they're laying that groundwork, they wrapped up what happened last season already in the first two episodes. So because this is laying that groundwork, I was telling you earlier, I just didn't like this episode as much as the last one. And in a lot of ways, I think it's a better episode than Dead Man's Party. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean I enjoyed it as much as Dead Man's Party. Because at least... Interesting. At least Dead Man's Party brought on the drama. And, and but all Dead the Man's haunting. Party made us so anxious. I know, but at least that's something I can like grab onto and like I can ride my emotions to the end of the day. Interesting. You know See, I have a lot of emotions and feelings about this one because... <sighs> I, there are reverberations from season one here, and I'm really excited to get into it. Oh. Before we get into the episode, I think we should just give a very blanket like shout out and thank you to all of our listeners who have already started supporting us on Buy Me A Coffee, because we're recording this a few days after Anne dropped, and <gasps> oh, like oh just gosh. within a couple of days, we've already got so many generous people. And we'll shout out a few of you at the end of this episode, and we'll shout out some more of you next episode. And it's just so heartening (laughs) to to feel like people are willing to give us money for doing this. (laughs) And again, like if you're one of those listeners who cannot give us money right now, we still love you and we appreciate you and we want to hear from you and we're going to keep doing this podcast for you. It's just it's something special to see that level of support from people. Um, I never thought that would be the case. <laughs> well, I mean, we were just trying it out and we are blown away. I wasn't shocked this week. I was like, what? Um, <laughs> 
it's like saying it's special is a really good, good way to describe it. It's a it's a feeling that I've never actually experienced before where people like are like, we really like the content and here's how we're going to yeah. show you. And it's just so wonderful. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, it really makes us feel good. And it's going to open up doors for us in terms of like financially speaking, we have we're going to have some resources that we didn't have before mm-hmm. to maybe bring you some interesting stuff in the months to come. So stay tuned. Yay. All right. So what's going on in Sunnydale this week? Well, lots of chatter, that's for sure. So we open up on Sunnydale High. It's a cheery lunchtime hour at uh, school. And Willow and Oz are standing on the steps in front of the school. And Willow's really giddy. And it's because when you become a senior, you have the freedom to leave campus for lunch. And my impression was that they were always doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, regardless, this is when they're actually allowed to do it. And it's a big moment for Willow. And she's taking it in. She's like, this is a senior moment. We can't rush it. We have to be in this. It's a big deal. And that's when Xander and Cordelia walk up behind them. Xander and Oz both grab Willow by the arm and pull her onto the street and uh, walk across it with her. And she's like, no, no. At first, she's like um, against it. She's like, we have to save her. No, this is too much. It's too many changes. Uh, What if we get in trouble? But then as she's walking, she starts getting her confidence and she's just like, you know, hey, we're seniors. Hey, I'm walking here. Like, it's a cute little exchange. (laughs) But this is such a mood. It really is. This actually like took me right back to those high school days when you're a senior and you're like, this is my fourth year and it's a big deal. This is a very teenager opening, right? Like the past couple of episodes, you know, we had vampire openings. We had Slayer openings, Supernatural openings. And, and this is very much like just their normal everyday teenage life, right? There is no mention of supernatural activity, of being the Slayer, of vampires. It's just we are seniors and that's a big deal for us. So I think that this is a nice reset in terms of how the episodes have been opening lately. Yeah, I agree. It's a very positive. It's very fun. And yeah, it's it's a mood. Guys, seniors, woo! We can leave campus. Oh. And <laughs> and where do they go? They just go across the street to the little park between streets. I don't know what this is. I'm like, why couldn't you eat there last year? Like, what's the big deal? But who's there? Buffy. Buffy is laying out a picnic for her friends to eat with lunch with her because she's still not in school. And it's so precious. And she's got like a cute little like charcuterie board situation happening here and she's like made them lunch it's really sweet and um as they approach her willow suggests that maybe because willow's holding hands with oz xander has his arm around cordy she says maybe they shouldn't be so coupley around buffy and cordelia says uh, is that because the only guy who ever liked her turned into a vicious killer and had to be put down like a dog <laughs> oz is just like okay let's prepare to decouple And then they uncouple as they separate to walk up to Buffy. And um, I think this is a nice friend thing to do. Sometimes people don't realize, you know, I think it's very classy of them. So Buffy is saying like with all her free time, she's like experienced her inner Martha Stewart. And they make a couple jokes about Martha Stewart for a bit. And then she confirms that her and her mom are seeing Snyder tomorrow. And a boy named Scott (laughs) is nearby. And Willow is telling Buffy that Scott was really into Buffy last year, but she wasn't ready to date. And maybe that means that she's like ready to date now and her pre-readiness, they can start a conversation. She can do that thing with her mouth that boys like. (laughs) And this is a a dirty little joke that they slid in here. And Buffy like looks at her really quickly. (laughs) 
And Willow's like, I didn't mean the bad thing with your mouth, you know, the half smile thing you do. And then she like looks at Oz and she's like, you're supposed to stop me when I do that. And Oz just says, I like when you do that. And I was like, this is so cute. You guys, it's so cute. No one deserves Oz. Buffy and Scott say hi to each other as Scott passes by. And Willow's like, I think that went very well. (laughs) And Cordelia's like, yeah, he didn't try to slit our throats or anything. So that's progress. Thanks, Cordelia. You're so sensitive. Cordelia, I mean, she's spitting out facts here. But again, yeah, she's just (laughs) the way she says it is so insensitive. And Buffy says that she's not into Scott. But she does want to do normal stuff. And Willow's like, you mean like you want to date? And Buffy pauses there. And of course, that's when Xander jumps in and says, oh, you want a date? I see your little half smile, you little slut. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, okay. So I am all for sex positivity and reclaiming the word slut. And I will joke around with my female friends and, and call them sluts if I know they're comfortable with that. So... If this line were coming from somebody else, I'd be like all for this line because it's a nice kind of choking way of, you know, showing your support for your friend going out there. Yeah. Anybody but Xander. (laughs) Xander, you should know you're not allowed to say this stuff by this point. Yes, but he says it anyway because who else is going to call someone a slut except for Xander Harris? And uh, what I like is that Buffy punches him and he actually looks like it hurt him a bit. And I was like, good for you. Good. Yeah, good. Punish him. I mean, someone needs to hit this guy more often and, you know, you know, like, stay tuned, stay tuned. So Buffy says that she wants to date, shop, hang out, go to school, and stop the world from unspeakable demons. You know, I want to do girly stuff. You and me both, Buffy. <laughs> Same, Buffy. I think this is a really cute opener. We don't get very many of these, like, cute little brunch picnics between the Scoobies, and it's nice to see. But that's when we cut to the Happy Burger place or the Happy Burger joint, you might want to call it. It's like fast food. Um, A black limo is pulling up to the drive-thru. And there's a man in the back, and he is a black man. And he orders a diet soda from the window, and the car pulls up to the window. And it's only 89 cents. And I'm like, that's how you know how old this show is now. (laughs) Nowadays, a medium diet soda would be like $3. (laughs) The man is talking to another man in the car. And he's saying how Sunnydale is a really quaint town and the people, they all call me sir. Don't you just miss that? And then he says, admittedly, it's not a haven for the brothers. You know, strictly the Caucasian persuasion here in the day. Ooh, the show is calling itself out. I love that. I love that he said that. I think it's so interesting because basically this is what you and I have been talking about for two seasons now. It's like the lack of Mm -hmm. diversity in Sunnydale, the poor representation of black actors on the show. Yeah. So like that, you know, that's why you mentioned earlier, like that this character is black because Mm -hmm. it's just unfortunately so remarkable on the show that we do have to point it out when it happens. Um, And this character does play a big role in this episode and the door at the end the door is open is is left open for him to come back in another episode and yeah. we'll, we can talk more about that in a bit so is this the show turning a new leaf of racial diversity <gasps> not really probably not but <laughs> we like to see it in this scene so so he goes yeah. on to talk about Sunnydale and how it has a you know amazing death rate and he ran a statistical analysis and it's like, hello, darkness. And he compares it to DC. He says it makes DC look like Mayberry. 
and he's got a really interesting way of talking and he's like really cool and modern and he's he's a vibe this guy he's talking to a man that has like hooves like cloves for for hands (laughs) and we see a very brief glimpse of it he says that he they're here for one thing and the other guy says oh yeah we're here to kill the slayer still he's looking at the big picture as the person at the window who's working at the burger place hands him a drink the other man is saying okay yeah the slayer i'm going to rip her spine from her body and eat her heart and suck the marrow from her bones okay okay so we've heard this before dude you're not the first bad guy monster vampire or whatever to rock up into sunnydale and be like i'm gonna kill the slayer we saw that you saw what happened with spike you know you've seen what happened with the master like we've heard this before yada yada another big bad guy coming to kill the slayer you're gonna have to do better than that to impress us okay and and frankly he's not impressing this other man in the car like the man that just took the soda he's like okay and then he's like well now that you say that i'm hungry and this actually frightened me he vamps out and his eyes are like yellow and he Mm -hmm. he violently reaches through the window grabs the guy at the window this poor man pulls him into the car and we can assume that he's killing him as their the car drives away and the guy's feet are sticking out at the window right but i feel like that was his intention all along like ordering the the diet soda was just a ploy to get him yeah to get them to the drive-through window and then he was gonna snack on the guy yeah for sure but it was like i was shocked to see it because i didn't remember that <laughs> scene and i was like whoa he's a vampire obviously you he was yeah. he's a vampire but whoa we cut to the bronze buffy is dancing with angel who's wearing a nice white shirt today and uh she says she misses him and all her friends all the scoobies are sitting nearby watching them very intently and she's wearing her clotter ring the ring that angel gifted her in surprise and it falls to the ground and they both look down at it and angel goes down and picks it up very slowly and we get a quick flashback to when buffy sent him to hell in becoming part two so this is a flashback within a dream Yes, she's in, there's many layers to Buffy's head tonight. And um, she says she had to as he picks it up. And he clutches the ring so hard that blood starts coming out of his hands. And he says, I loved you. And then his chest starts bleeding too. And he shouts, go to hell. And then he he, he has his, like a demon face, like an old, like, like a dead well, body. I think it's more like a decaying zombie face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually looks like um, James, the guy from I Only Have Eyes for You when he demoned out yeah. <laughs> the poltergeist. Angel says, I did. And that's when Buffy wakes up from her nightmare slash flashback she looks at the side of her bed and in the drawer there's the ring that angel had given her and she looks at it and we hear joyce knock on the door and say morning sunshine ready to face the beast (laughs) so we cut to snyder's office and he is laying out the terms for buffy's re-entry to school she's saying she has to pass all of the makeup tests tests of every class that she skipped out on last year. She has to provide a glowing recommendation from a member of the faculty who isn't an English librarian. (laughs) Gee, I wonder what that means. And and we never find out who she got to help her out. Right? Who 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 would write that for her? Well, it couldn't be Professor. It could be Doctor Gregory, unfortunately. Oh, She's dead. Yeah, and... or um, the teacher that was killed, and I only have eyes for you. Or maybe it was Willow. Is Willow still teaching computer class? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the guy who wrote um don't walk away from me bitch did she ask that professor to write or something yeah. uh, so the third condition is she has to do an interview 
with the school psychologist, which what? cool that the school suddenly has a psychologist. <laughs> Ugh. Um, and basically she has to prove that her violent tendencies are under control. And so while he's saying this, Buffy has been idly fiddling with a letter opener that she took from his desk. So he gets up from behind his desk and he walks around the desk and he very carefully plucks it from her hands mm-hmm. and takes it away from her as he's talking about her violent tendencies. And this is just another example of what I love about the physical gags in this series. You know, it's Snyder is trying to be the big man right now. Clearly, he has no choice to let Buffy back in, but he's trying to make it seem like he's doing her this big favor. But you can tell from his body language that he's still very wary of her. Yeah. (laughs) And her just having that letter opener is very disturbing to him. Yeah. So Joyce, Mama Bear Joyce, is like, you know, I don't like your attitude. (laughs) I talked to the school board superintendent and you are required. And Snyder's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to give an education to everybody who's not in jail. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like this guy does not care about students. He just wants to be in power. Yeah. And everything he outlined for Buffy, like he can make her jump through these hoops. But at the end of the day, she is coming back to school. He knows it. Buffy knows it. Joyce knows it. So they're getting up to leave. And Buffy's like, you know... Let me get this straight. I'm really back in school because the school board overruled you. Wow, that's like having your whole ability to do this job called into question when you think about it. (laughs) She's like so sassy, which I love to see. But then, then... Joyce with the assist. (laughs) Right? Joyce comes in and she's like, I think what my daughter's trying to say is, and you're like, where did that come from, Joyce? Did you do more pot this morning? Like, It's fucking great. I love that. We don't expect it. No. It's completely out of left field. And I love it. So they leave. Like mic drop and leave. Oh, yeah. Snyder's alone. And and then we get on, on the uh, the intercom there, the, the secretary saying that the mayor is on the line for him. And we've been hearing mention of the mayor since last season. Mm-hmm. It's clear that Snyder is in the know about supernatural activity along with at least some people in the police and the coroner's office and now the mayor's office and it's like they keep dropping this just the title the mayor and snyder like looks disturbed by this and he's thrown the mayor's name around with some weight before and it's like okay so clearly the show wants us to pay attention clearly the mayor is going to be an important part of whatever is coming this season I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, we're going to have to figure it out. But it's like, it's interesting to me how the show is laying that groundwork and was back in season two. Yeah, it is really cool to see that. And I'm curious to see where this is going to go. I do also have to ask the question, Snyder, like you're saying, is aware of the supernatural elements of this show. And he's obviously tied into the bigger picture of the mayor and city council and everything. But does Snyder think that Buffy's a demon? Like, does, like Snyder, we don't know. We know that Snyder's, like, um, an enemy to us in terms of, like, in reality, he keeps Buffy mm-hmm. from school. But we cannot say that he's on the side of evil because he's not really, not from what we've seen. So sometimes no, I Snyder wonder... Snyder is on his side. He's on the side of order. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if he thinks that Buffy is... Like, Buffy's chaos, and that's why he doesn't like her. But... I wonder if he yes. thinks Buffy's evil. I, I think he knows Buffy's the Slayer. Oh, he okay, so you think he knows for sure? I think he knows because okay. I think it's it's an open secret who a Slayer is yeah. in the supernatural community. So I suspect he knows. But so you would think, oh, well, like a Slayer is on the side of good, keeping the evil away. You think everybody would be happy she's around, but mm-hmm. 
she's a chaotic element, like you just said. Mm -hmm. Because in Becoming Part 2, right, he's like, call the mayor, you know, tell tell him the good news, which is that Buffy's going to be arrested for murder. I think he understands that the Slayer is in the way of whatever plans the mayor and these other people in Sunnydale might have, right? right? Because I think what we need to keep in mind is if these people know about supernatural stuff, chances are they're mixed up in it. It's not just that they're trying to defend the city and they have, you know, the best of intentions. They're probably corrupt AF. And, you know, maybe they're working the black magic and whatnot. So having a Slayer on site is disrupting that, right? And, yeah. and I think we have to remember... Snyder is not on the side of the students here. He's not here to prevent more student deaths at Sunnydale. He just wants to make sure that the student deaths don't interfere with whatever else is supposed to be happening in this town. Yeah, and I think, I mean, this might just be a premature conversation because we're only on episode three of the season, but definitely something we need to keep our eye on as we continue watching is Snyder and what his intentions are. Because sometimes, mm. like, I think he's a lot more interested in this rewatch around than I ever thought about before because I'm like, there could be the possibility that he... Because he respects order so much, obviously the mayor, who is the top dog of this entire city, that he would respect his authority whether he thinks mm -hmm. that he's up to good or, or not. Yeah, like it's very unclear yeah. at this point. Yeah, it's a little premature. To how talk about much it. is Snyder involved in the supernatural aspects of whatever's happening in mm -hmm. Sunnydale? Mm -hmm. So, like, is he literally just a guard dog or is he actually part of? the plotting that's happening right and that's something we don't know yeah yet. yeah and like what whether he thinks that he's on the side of good or evil like we i don't know i don't think that's clear yet i don't think no but i see i don't think snyder thinks about it in those terms yeah yeah he's order i don't chaos. think snyder thinks but i think he's amoral he's on the side of order he he like you said he's deferring to the mayor because the mayor has authority yes and he wants authority he's a man <laughs> who craves power yeah so that he can he control think things because in his mind what he can't control can hurt him. You know, he's a very scared man. So <laughs> this is going to be such a good season That's why I love him. Armin Scheimerman's portrayal of him, mm -hmm. because he, his, his scenes are very short, but you get a lot out of him. You can tell that this is a guy who has spent his whole life, he's got this inferiority complex because he's somewhat short, and he, he's built his whole life around accruing power and being in charge of things. Mm -hmm. So... It'll be interesting to see how that attitude intersects with his involvement with the Sunnydale higher-ups. Yeah, I think every episode this season, we're going to have a little segment called Snyder Watch. And we're going to just, <laughs> we're going to analyze this guy because he's really fascinating right now. So um, we cut to Buffy and Willow who are entering the library. And Buffy is wondering where Giles, what, uh, what Giles wanted. Obviously, he told her to come there. Maybe he's mad. And Willow says, have you ever noticed when he's mad, he's too English to say anything. And he just makes this weird cluck cluck sound with his tongue <laughs> and that's when giles pops up behind her because he goes behind the, <laughs> the counter and buffy's like the one Hi, rule giles. of television right is anytime you say something like potentially criti critical of somebody behind their back they're right behind you <laughs> i know i know and giles is just like buffy i need your help i trust you remember the demon of Kathla. <laughs> who but yeah who oh i know I, I don't know who you're talking about and Buffy um, calls him out for ignoring that she's back at school. You know, she's like, well, hi, Buffy. Like, welcome back, you know. And Giles is just like, yeah, well, of, of course, it's wonderful that to have you back. That goes without saying. <laughs> and he's like, but you enjoy making me say it, don't you? So Buffy just lets him off the hook. And they talk about a Catholic a bit. And G Giles is saying that they need to make sure that 
uh, the demon remains dormant and the vortex remains sealed tight. So Giles is working on a binding spell. And as soon as he says spell, Willow pipes up super desperate and thirsty and is like, oh, a spell? Can I help? Like right away. (laughs) And Giles says, possibly like chill with with some research um he says it's very sensitive and it's difficult and blah 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 and giles needs a few details from about bobby's experience with the demon and with angel and what happened and obviously buffy gets uncomfortable right away but she's just like deadpan she's like yep fire away (laughs) you know everything's normal this doesn't affect me at all (laughs) and Giles is like, okay, I clocked the time at 6.17 a.m., half an hour after Xander rescued me. And Buffy says that took less time than that. It was about 10 minutes. And again, she's like telling this very like straightforward, like, nope, 10 minutes after that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says the vortex was barely open. There was a big fight. Angel got the pony out of the sword. A cathal sucked him into hell instead of the world. And that's it. Giles is like, okay, that's very helpful. And Buffy goes off to take her English makeup exam. And I like, I think it's really cute that she's like, they give me credit for speaking English, right? <laughs> I think that was cute. And um, as she leaves, Willow is looking at all the spell ingredients that Giles has laid out on the counter. And it's like, Giles, it's still school time. Like <laughs> Students could still come in there. But Willow's looking through them all and basically saying like what she knows about them and like proving to Giles that she has experience and that she can be helpful to him. And... I like this exchange. I would. I would like this exchange. Because Giles says, these forces are not something that one plays with, Willow. What have you been conjuring? And he's really serious mm. and concerned. Yeah, well, he takes his glasses off. Yeah. And you can tell he's serious when he takes his glasses off. <laughs> he's like, what have you been conjuring? And Willow is just like, she tried the spell to cure Angel, which didn't work. But since then, she's only been doing small stuff, like floating feathers, fire out of ice, stuff like that. And she asks him if he was mad. And Giles says, of course not. If I were, I'd be making that strange clicking noise with my tongue. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because he's just kind of embarrassing her because he heard her. And he's like, yeah, like I'd be clucking like a chicken right now. And I'm just like, I've definitely done that. Like I've definitely said something not realizing that the person's there, right? Oh, it's and the then worst it's feeling. Like, it's this, like you, you don't know if they heard you. And then it's this subtle call out afterwards. You're yeah. just like. It's a a fun little tie up to the end of the scene, but I do think it's really cool that Giles is showing this concern because Giles is just fucking done with these teenagers messing with magic. Remember Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered and the chaos that ensued? His history as a teenager, right? And his sex magic and... yeah. And Willow's just really eager. The fact she's like, oh, it's a spell. I want to help you right away, right? So he's just like, all right, Willow, like, let's let's keep you in check here. So we cut to the bronze, and there's a lot of people on the dance floor dancing. There's, you know, there's one particular wild girl dancing around there. But the funny thing about the scene for me was that the music is not particularly hip hopping <laughs> it's like the like mm-hmm. it's actually quite quite chill for the the type of dancing that these people are like going at it and you'd be like whoa it's not like techno well I, I think i've mentioned this before but generally speaking when you're filming a scene like this you're not actually playing music on the set because yeah. that would make recording the, the dialogue hell so everybody's probably dancing to a relatively quiet room and just faking it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's hilarious. That's what I'm saying. So you can really tell that that's what's happening right here. And I was like, you know, if it was the Vanga boys, you know, like, (laughs) like I'd be like fucking doing dancing the way they're dancing. But the song they chose to be in the background is very mellow. And um, Oz and Willow are making out on the couch. Love to see it. 
and Buffy interrupts them, boo, with some drinks. And Willow points out that Buffy's all glowy. And I love this for Buffy because Buffy's like, yeah, I passed my English exam and I'm hanging out with my friends. Hello, life. I've missed you. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's when uh, Scott, remember Scott? Remember Scott from the first scene? I do remember Scott. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't remember him because he's so forgettable. So Scott comes over and Will and Willow's like, oh, what are you doing here? And he's like, you told me to come after eight because I'd run into Buffy. Ooh, Scott. And he says, I'm a bad liar. It's not good for the soul or the skin. It makes me blush. So I don't understand Scott Hope. I don't get this character. I think he's I mean, so forgettable and boring. He's just, a, he's just, but I think he's a sweet, awkward guy, right? Because like, yeah. so what happens next is... You know, he asks Buffy to dance and Buffy is kind of like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. No, thank you. Um, like she, she's not quite saying no, but she's just really hesitant. So I like what Scott does, which is he's like, OK, well, I'm just going to go over there to the dance floor, you know, and, and kind of like stand there. And if you change your mind, you can come over and join me. Mosey on and over. If, or yeah, Sorry, you can mosey on over <laughs> is what he says. And Oz gives him points for that later. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, if you don't, you don't mosey, no big deal. And he leaves. Yeah. And I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to somebody like Xander, who was literally like smothering Buffy and giving her jewelry and basically like trying to guilt her into going out with him. This Scott guy is so laid back. He's making it clear that he wants to spend time with Buffy. But he's also acknowledging that if she decides not to, he's okay with that. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. And I think... There's something nice about that, and I'm, I'm happy to make fun of Scott for being white bread, as I said earlier. Like, he's a very bland guy, but it's also like, th- we do need more of this. Yeah, like, we no. need more nice high school guys who are Buffy's age, who are a little bit awkward, because she's a little bit awkward. Like, this is a, a healthy teenage interaction right here. Yeah, and I think that's really important to say, is like, yeah, like, we're, we're going to, like... <laughs> make fun of scott because it's easy easy target and it's funny but uh i completely agree with you he's such a nice person you can just tell you can just tell he's, a, he's one of the good ones and i think if this was seventh heaven or <laughs> or gilmore girls or a different type of show where you know the men are allowed well, to not be toxic it, i think it's <laughs> if, if this if this were gilmore girls we'd be treated to like a half hour conversation between lorelei and rory about this Scott person and who he is, and they'd make a bunch of pop culture references that haven't aged well, and <laughs> um, yeah. they'd overanalyze it, and then Rory would go out on one date with him, and then claim that she's now a bad person for dating this guy, and just like yeah, and then she cheat on him, and that's sorry, that's the end. sorry, that's a different podcast. <laughs> sorry, that's you know that's what we're actually going to move into once we're done, Buffy. So he walks away. Buffy smiles. It is cute. Good job, Scott. Good for you. And as he leaves, Willow's encouraging, right? She's like, okay, he's charm. He's normal. Like, uh, I, like Willow wants Buffy to get back into the dating game. But Willow always wants Buffy to be dating. Willow always. is pimping out Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, this is like pretty, you know, she's been doing this for seasons now. She's very interested in Buffy's she, love she's, life. She's making the online dating profiles, right? She's <laughs> the like... Tinder profiles. Here we go. And... Willow asks what's stopping Buffy and that's when Cordy and Xander come up and Cordy is slut shaming the girl on the dance floor there's and a girl she's so good at slut shaming like do you think she practices in front of a mirror at night like absolutely <laughs> don't we all just kidding Cordy calls this girl on the dance floor who's dancing it up to this undanceable music and she calls her a slut-o-rama <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was like, wow. And um, she calls her the guy she's dancing with, Disco Dave, which made me laugh too. Um, and she points it out and we all start observing this dancing couple and the girl's dancing the best she can to this kind of music. But the guy is doing the most hilarious retro disco moves <laughs> and it's kind of hilarious. And the guy is leading the girl out. And of course, Buffy Slayer senses are tingling and she watches them go. And she's obviously that's clearly a hilarious a, a vampire but like a hilarious vampire. <laughs> well, once again, she knows because of how he dresses, right? Like this is yeah. a callback to Welcome to the Hellmouth, where Giles takes Buffy to the bronze. And he's like, use your vampire, use your set slayer senses. And she's like, that guy's a vampire. And he's like, how do you know? Because, you know, his his fashion. Like, and I that's... think it's, it's also his dance moves themselves, right? If they're straight from yeah. the 70s. <laughs> Clearly a vampire. Clearly. No doubt about it. So Buffy, Buffy leaves, right? And the others come with her, yeah. which I think is interesting. It's no longer like, I'll be right back. I got to go slay this vampire. They're like going along for the adventure? Well, they've been doing it all summer. They're like, we're in this now. Like, this is our job. <laughs> we're, we're all the chosen one now. Uh, and yeah, so this this vampire has led this girl out to the alleyway and her back is against the wall and he's telling her as he leans into her, like, stop struggling, this won't hurt. And suddenly this girl who I'll, I'll add is like a tiny little brunette. She's got these like edgy kind of clothes on. She's got a tattoo, but she is quite young. She all of a sudden grabs this vampire by the neck and punches him. And then she like kicks him in the face. And as Buffy's running up to her, the girl turns to her and says, it's okay, I got it. You're Buffy, right? And as the vampire grabs her from behind, she headbutts him and says, I'm Faith and continues to beat the vampire up. And all the Scoobies are there, like you said, and Oz is saying, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a new Slayer is in town. <laughs> and as they watch her beat up this vampire, Faith grabs Buffy's stake out of her hands, like just like grabs it and stakes the vamp and he dusts. And Faith turns around, hands Buffy the stake back and says, thanks, B. Couldn't have done it without you. And then she walks back into the bronze. Ooh. So we're in the bronze and Faith is sitting with all the Scoobies and she's describing a story where she fought three vampires in the nude in Boston, and she was saving this, like, uh, bus full of religious people, and a preacher was hugging her, and a cop pulled up and arrested her, and it was this whole thing, and Xander is hanging on every word because she said she was naked while she did it, and we'll add also that that Faith is super hot. And she's white, and I just, I gotta say at this point, right, like, again, that anger over what happened with Kendra, Mm. because you had another Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, you had another Slayer and she was black and you killed her off and now you're replacing her with another white lady because you feel like this character is going to be more relatable for your audience. And it sucks. And I say this with no shade to Faith because Faith is a wonderful character and we will get into that as as we go on through this season. But, oh man, like R.I.P. Kendra, you were killed too soon. Mm-hmm. And it just, it feels so incredibly insensitive that they clearly cleared the board so that they could bring in another American, white, more relatable Slayer foil for Buffy. Yeah, and it's very, very clear. It's also something that's very clear to me too, because remember when Kendra came in and she was exoticized 
and there was that whole you know, thing about her free being from Jamaica and she doesn't know American culture and like all this stuff. Well, yeah. Faith, the very first time we see her, because we didn't know it was her at first on the dance floor, just thought it was a random. She's dancing with this guy and she's called a slut. And now she's telling this story where she's naked and she's fighting people and she got in trouble with the cops and she's sexualized immediately. Like, this is her second scene, and she's telling this story. And the first scene, she was called a slut. So I'm like, you're setting this up already, that she's just this slutty floozy. And that's the characterization you're going to give her, where Kendra, when we first met her, was, you know, this clearly exoticized character. So it's just interesting how they're introducing this next layer, not in the same context of race, but definitely in the context of how we're going to compare her as a girl to the other women on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's going to be so much we can talk about. Oh, I know. So right on that, on what I just said, Faith says, isn't it crazy how slaying makes you hungry and horny? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody looks at Buffy and she's like, uh, sometimes I crave a non-fat yogurt afterwards. Oh, really? So <laughs> is that what you were doing with Angel on all of those patrols? But here we go. Like, look at this dynamic already. Faith is the wild, mm. unruly one. And Buffy is the square that follows the rules. Whereas last season, Kendra was the one that was like, follow the mm -hmm. rules and this yeah. is the way I do it. And now it's Buffy. So it's just like, wow. That's when Cordelia like fills us all in, right? Like, she's like, I get it. Not the horny thing. Yuck. But she's like, you know, Buffy died. So Kendra was called. Kendra dies, so now Faith is called. And Willow asks her why she's here, and Faith says that her watcher went to a retreat in England. So she came to Sunnydale to meet the infamous Buffy and compare notes. And she asks Buffy if she really used a rocket launcher one time. And right. Buffy. So I like. Yeah. First off, I like how Cordelia and earlier in the previous scene, Oz, were being used as like exposition people, and they're like, oh, Faith is another Slayer. Oh, this is why Faith is another Slayer. I I think this is something that's happened throughout this episode is they've tried to make this episode a really good entry point for new viewers. So like even earlier when Giles is trying to get the details of Buffy killing Angel and the flashbacks we're getting throughout this episode of Buffy killing Angel, they're kind of like trying to catch up people who are just joining the series and who missed the end of last season mm -hmm. so that they have a vague sense at least of what Buffy has gone through and what the show has gone through. And then I also think this is very interesting when Faith, Faith is like, I want to compare notes. And then she asks Buffy about the rocket launcher incident. Mm -hmm. So how does Faith know about this? Has, I guess Giles must be filing some very like detailed reports that then somehow filter through the watchers to the other like potential slayers, I guess. Cause you know, like that's, that's something that we all know about because we've been watching the show, but it's like, so, so is there like a, like a group of people who know what Buffy has been doing for the past two years? Are there all these other potential slayers out there who have been like hearing the story through Giles's perspective? Yeah, or like maybe they're watching the show too, right? Maybe they're they're right there with us. I I I agree. I see what you're saying, and it, there's a lot of questions about the Watchers Council for me in this episode because you're right. How is Faith getting this information about Buffy? Who's giving it to her? Why don't they know Faith is a slayer? Because clearly she's been slaying since last year, well, no, since last season, right? After Kendra died, she would have been called in June. So it's been a couple months, mm -hmm. and she has all these crazy stories. So why does she know so much about Buffy, and Buffy doesn't know a thing about her? Well, Buffy's been gone. But straight up, Giles does not know. 
So you're right. It's like, where is this information trickling down from and how? And as Buffy starts to tell her story, Xander interrupts her and asks Faith about an alligator story. Fuck off, Xander. So fucking rude. And Faith is talking about this alligator story and Xander's like, were you also naked in it? And (laughs) Cordelia's like, Xander, find a new theme. And I'm like, thank you, Cordelia, because Xander, your girlfriend is sitting right there. And it's not the same as last year when Xander was like low-key hitting up on Kendra in front of Cordy because they had just made out. He's so horny for Faith. Like, you can't... He's so inappropriate. It's crazy. So Faith asks Buffy what her toughest kill was. And of course, another flashback to when she killed Angel, because clearly. Um, But she just says they're all difficult. And Buffy brings up, and I couldn't believe this. Buffy brings up the three. She's like, you guys remember the three? Oh, wait, you guys weren't there. And I was like, Buffy, you didn't even slay the three. (laughs) Like you fought them a little bit. And then it led to Angel and you getting locked up in your house. Fine. But why the three? Why didn't you talk about the master? What about um, Spike in School Hard? Like, there's a lot of situations that you could have brought up that were really cool. Oh, like when you fought all those fish monsters and <laughs> like like the, the fucking Go Fish episode. Oh, I want to forget about that one. Oh, like, Buffy, you've done so many cool... Oh, my God. Like, even like, like a few days ago, you went into an, another hell dimension and took down a factory. So, like, there's so many cool stories. But she's like, remember the three? <laughs> uh, so Oz interrupts her again and says, what is Faith's position on werewolves? And Faith says, hey, as long as you're not scratching at me or humping my leg, we're five by five. <laughs> and Oz is like, fair enough. So Faith is excited to be here. And she says, like, um, the Watcher's gone. Buffy and I are going to have a lot of fun killing all these vampires. <laughs> and Buffy's like, wait, why are, you, why are you Watcherless? And Faith is like, didn't yours go to England too? And that's when we cut to Giles, who is like, thinking about the watcher's retreat how it happens every so year left out. yeah he's like it's a lovely spot very serene horse riding hiking <laughs> punting lectures discussions it's a great honor to be invited or so i'm told that's what he says and this is where i was like what the fuck is happening with the watcher's council why isn't giles invited to this lovely retreat shouldn't giles be the top watcher right now as he is the one that has the slayer why isn't he in charge? I'm confused. I know it's very confusing. And Who gets I, I to think go? the only thing we Well, I think the only thing we can conclude is that Giles is a bit of a disgrace among <laughs> the watchers, I am guessing. Um and him being placed here in Los Angeles or sorry, Sunnydale. Yeah. was probably like a bit of a punishment, you know, get him out of England like blah blah blah. And like remember, he wasn't Buffy's original watcher. She gets assigned to him when he she comes to Sunnydale and I think maybe like there was a speculation that we shared earlier on this fan theory about how they were setting Buffy up to fail so that then she'd die and they would have a more compliant slayer and Giles being her watcher was a part of that in the sense of like they were they were saddling Buffy with what they saw as an incompetent watcher who wasn't going to protect her and wasn't going to help her out the way that she needed it Mm. you know he so I, I think what we're getting the sense here is that the Watchers Council doesn't really see Giles as a very good watcher. Um, but what bothers me, right, is why hasn't their opinion changed? Yeah. Like Buffy and Giles took down the master. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. They've closed the, you know, they kept the Hellmouth closed for the past two years. Mm-hmm. They just stopped the world from being sucked into hell. Like, you may not have thought Giles was a very good watcher before, but he's clearly doing a really good job. Far better than Mr. Zabuto, who sent his <laughs> Slayer here twice and got her killed. Like, you know, but it, it's just, it's interesting to me. And yeah, I think we need to pay attention to this. We are going to meet some more Watchers. We better. And, and uh, when that happens eventually, I think it'll be interesting to see that dynamic there. But for now, yeah, so Giles is feeling left out and I feel sorry for him. And I just want to make him a cup of tea and, you know, maybe give him a nice lecture. Um, yeah. And... Faith is acting really interesting because she's like, oh, well, you know, that's that's too boring. It's too stuffy for a young guy like you. <laughs> and she's like, like Buffy is like, um, hello, like this is Giles, the old stuffy British librarian. And Faith is like, oh, if I'd known they'd come that young, I would have requested a transfer. And she's like, it's gross. She's like horny for Giles. Yeah. And you and I joke about Giles being a zaddy. But at the end of the day, like we are not, you know, 18 year old girls here. And it's, it's like, what are you doing, Faith? Well, like, Faith would be younger. She'd be about 15 or 16 here because obviously she got called two years after Buffy got called. So, But are they always called at the... I think so. I think they're always like called around age? 16. Like, that, that, like, why not? Interesting. Why wouldn't they? I, I mean, I don't, someone, I don't can, someone can come up and... Yeah, and I, I don't know. know how old Faith... She seemed... Like, I know that she's much... Like, she's acting older than her age, but yeah. she seems about Buffy's age. I think... Well, I mean, that's what we would like to think, but because Buffy was called when she was 15 or 16, I can only assume that Faith got called at the same time. So... Yeah, this 16-year-old is hitting on Giles. And on one hand, I'm like, yeah, go, girl, because I want to hit on Giles very much. And I get her attraction to him. But it's super inappropriate. And Giles just, like, smiles. He's like, oh, like, flattery. It's like, no, no. This child is hitting on you, Giles. Keep it it under wraps, my friend. And Giles then says that it was actually very fortuitous that Faith arrived when she did. Two people have disappeared from the Sunset Ridge District. And Buffy says that she can patrol tonight, but late because she has to have dinner with her, her mother. And Willow and Xander give Buffy this look. And Buffy's like to Faith, which you are, of course, invited to. You know what I mean? And um, Faith is like, great, dying to meet the fam. And I was like... Why, though? Why? Like, I understand it's polite, but Buffy doesn't have to take Faith to dinner. Like, the fact that they're all like, you should, Buffy, you should. I was like, does she? Like, should she? I don't know. I don't think that's like... A f- it, it, sure yeah, thing. it's interesting to me that everybody's assuming Buffy's going to kind of take care of Faith. Yeah. Like, this is the second time a Slayer has just randomly shown up with no notice in Sunnydale. You know, call ahead, make some reservations, <laughs> make some plans. Yeah, and well, that's another thing why I think Faith is pro- possibly a little bit younger than everybody because like it's like okay, she needs to be taken care of. Someone needs to take her, right? Uh, so Buffy's like, I guess we can also patrol together. And Willow is saying that Buffy has to go make up her health science test, and Buffy says she needs coaching, but Willow ignores her and asks Faith if she wants to hang out with her and Xander while Buffy's doing her test. And as they go and leave, Buffy's clearly like put out by this, and this is not new for us. We know that Buffy gets jealous when a new Slayer shows up. Giles is saying that this is this new this new girl has a lot of zest. He, and then he goes on again to say that Buffy he's having trouble with the binding spell for Arcathla and he's lacking a lot of de- a lot of details. And Buffy's kind of like, okay, here's where we all were standing physically, you know, like this is all I can give you. But then she blows him off and she's like, next time I kill Angel, I'll videotape it for you <laughs> and like leaves. 
Willow and Xander are giving Faith a tour of the high school and they're pointing out all of the crazy things that have happened to them. She's like, that's where I got sucked into the floor. That's where snakes like took over the cafeteria, all this stuff. Faith is saying that she thinks they're great. And if she had friends like them in high school, she probably still would have dropped out, but she might've been sad about it. So <laughs> This is giving us a little bit more detail to where Faith yeah. is coming from. And I think earlier she had said that she's from Boston, but now we're getting the impression that obviously she was a high school dropout. She's not educated. She We don't know anything about her family life, but it sounds like she's been all over the States the last couple months slaying mm -hmm. and getting up to a lot of wild stories, whether they're, they're true or not. Well, you got to think about it. Like she's exactly the kind of young girl that the Watchers like as a potential slayer, right? No connections, no nothing to ground her, vulnerable, easy to exploit and mold into the perfect killing machine. Ooh. It's just like, like we're getting the sense, right, that Faith's story from the beginning of her appearance on this series is a tragic one because she is a foil to Buffy. We're once again seeing Buffy is the outlier here in that she has grown up, removed from the pressure of being a potential slayer, in a loving family environment with a loving mother and that makes her different and it's one of the reasons that she outlasts uh and 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 lives longer than many other previous slayers so faith coming in here is giving us that contrast and like you said she's been on screen for like 10 minutes and we're already understanding her struggle she is very like working class her attitude is very punk very rebellious as you said it's making Buffy look like the square. Mm -hmm. And it, it's interesting to see how that's going to affect that dynamic going forward. Yeah, I, I like that we're learning more about her. And the fact that she asks Willow and Xander, what's Buffy's deal, right? She's like, she's really high strung. She's rounded up really tight and she needs to find the fun a little bit. And Willow starts to talk to her, but she like kind of goes off to get a drink of water. And Xander's obsessed with her. And he's like, she's got something, doesn't she? And that's when Cordelia comes up behind Xander and says, what is it with you and Slayers? Maybe I should dress up as one and put a stake to your throat. And Xander's all like, oh, please don't let that be sarcasm. It's like, what is, what? Oh my God. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know what you guys are up to. And Scott runs into faith scott hope runs into faith in the in the hallway sorry who um yeah, he's like this milk toast character that we don't need to know about okay so they have a conversation as buffy comes up she says she passed her makeup exam and she's happy about it but then she of course sees faith and scott flirting just another example of faith taking over her life even though buffy you blew him off yesterday willow is saying hey maybe faith and scott can hit it off because buffy clearly doesn't want him and Buffy is like put off by that. She's like, I didn't 100% say no. And Willow is saying, you really do need to find the fun, B. What did you think of that? Because Willow has obviously taken to Faith very quickly. Obviously thinks she's really cool to take what Faith said about Buffy, who's only known Buffy for like a couple hours and is saying Buffy needs to lighten up. Willow knows that Buffy's going through something that she ran away this summer that Buffy and her had this whole thing last episode about how she needs to give Buffy space until she's comfortable talking about what happened to her. And then she's like, you need to lighten up. You need to be more fun, Buffy. And I was like, what are you saying this for, Willow? Like, why? Why does Faith bring this out in you? What's going on? You're being mean. <laughs> You're being really mean. And I don't like it. Okay. So uh, first, I think Faith is giving me serious Ted vibes mm -hmm. where... This is very similar to last season. Ted comes into her life and everybody loves Ted and he's overshadowing Buffy and nobody really pays attention to Buffy's unease. 
And I think there is supposed to be this hint that maybe Faith isn't all she appears to be um, as the episode goes on, right? Because mm-hmm. then we, we're going to find out soon that actually uh, Faith's watcher is not at the retreat, but dead. And it's like, oh, like, is Faith evil or is she here under false pretenses? Like, so this is this is giving me, you know, callbacks to Ted and this idea that, yes, Buffy's obviously uncomfortable because Faith is here and throwing her off her groove that she's just reestablished. But it's also like, I think Buffy is so intuitive. She knows there's something up with Faith and none of the others want to even think about that as a possibility. Now, as far as Willow goes in this moment, I think Willow is feeling hella guilty. Mm. I think that's why Willow has been acting the way she has. She's feeling guilty that she and Oz have this stable, loving relationship and Buffy killed her boyfriend. So Willow pushing Buffy to get out there again and date, even though Buffy is clearly saying, I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Willow isn't listening to Buffy because Willow is wrapped up in her guilt uh, over being so happy with Oz when Buffy isn't happy with anybody. So Willow's thinking, well, if I can get Buffy together with Scott or somebody else, then everything's going to be fine. Buffy's going to be happy again and I'm happy and I don't have to feel bad anymore. She's feeling guilty. And so her saying, you need to find the fun, Buffy, is that guilty part of her being like, Buffy, like, we are all trying so hard to make this normal for you again. And you're like moping around and, you know, questioning like why Faith is here. And it's there's this frustration, I think, in Willow because she just wants to move on, move on. But Buffy's not ready. And this is I don't think Willow's being a bad friend or a bad person here, but this is, you know, Willow as an inexperienced teenage person is not quite giving Buffy the space and the time that she might need to heal. Yeah. And, you know, we did see this in Willow back in I Only Have Eyes for You when that guy hit on Buffy and Willow was like, oh, you should you should get out there again. Like same um, exact thinking, I think. I was just confused. I was like, why, Willow? Like, give Buffy more space. But like you're saying... It's true. Buffy's been moping around for a while, and but Willow's encouraging her to start moving on, which is fine. So we cut to a car shop or something. Um, <laughs> the demon we mentioned earlier with the cloved hands, he's saying, Mr. Trick, talk to me. So we know that this new vampire is named Mr. Trick, and he is giving the lowdown on what's going on in Sunnydale, and apparently he's trying to set up some sort of global human trafficking. <laughs> he's, he's very, like, 90s, right? Like, this is... The age of the internet and the World Wide Web in 1999 is just He's like jacked in. <laughs> yeah, praise Moloch. Um, you know, yeah, like this is this is a vampire. You know, we saw last season. We saw Spike embraced the world in his own way. Mister Trick has also embraced the human world in a different way, in that he's embraced the modern world of technology and business. You know, he's a business vampire. Like, look at the suits that he's wearing. Um, Mr. Trick's the kind of guy who would be on an episode of Shark Tank, like investing in your, like you said, like your human trafficking vampire food business. <laughs> yeah, like, right? he's an like, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the vibe we're getting from him. Yeah, and because he, he says, he says that they've been looking for the Slayer, right? And this is when we know that they're not talking about Buffy anymore. They're talking about Faith because they said they be, that he's been running computer checks on every hotel, hostel, and rooming house in the town. So that's what you're saying. Like he's a modern vampire more so than Spike because he's 
jacked into the technology. And yeah. I like that you compared him to Spike here because apparently, and I read this somewhere, this actor was up to play Spike. And they ended up oh. going with James Marsters and they, they hired him later because they must have liked him so much. But I was like, isn't that so interesting? Like, what if they had gone with this guy for Spike? And I bet because of the way the history of the show and their racial casting and the way that the characters are treated, perhaps he would have been killed off sooner rather than later because Spike stuck around, but I'm pretty sure originally they were going to let Angel kill Spike when he lost Mm. his soul. It's just really interesting. When I found out that this actor, that Spike could have been this actor, the the way the show would have changed, how it would have been so different. Anyway, all we're learning really from this scene is that um, Mr. Trick is really good at killing poor delivery service people. And (laughs) yeah, this seems to be his thing, right? Is he orders a meal and then he eats the food service person. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the pizza guy shows up, he kills him. And uh, basically, we know they're looking for Faith, not Buffy. So at Buffy's house, uh, Joyce is having dinner with Faith and Buffy. I love to see it. And um, she seems to really like Faith. And Faith is saying that she loves slaying. And Joyce is having this like conversation with her where she's just like, isn't that so interesting? Buffy never talks about slaying this way. Why do you love it? And you'd think they're talking about like Faith is on the basketball team and they're talking about yeah. that. And Faith is like, oh, well, when I'm fighting, the whole world goes away. And I only know one thing I'm going to win and they're going to lose. And I love that feeling. And Faith is like oozing confidence in this, right? And Buffy is like, it beats that dead feeling when they win and you lose. Faith is like, I don't want that kind of negative thinking in. And Joyce is like, yes, that is so right. He's like, yes, that's how you could get hurt. Of course. And she's like, Buffy can be awfully negative sometimes. See, honey, you got to fight that. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, Joyce, 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 Joyce. Um, but I like that they're having this like actual like back and forth about slaying and why Faith like sees it as a positive. And Joyce goes to get Faith another drink and Buffy follows her into the kitchen. And in the kitchen, Joyce is saying that she likes Faith and Buffy expresses her jealousy, basically saying that, you know, Faith is taking everything she has, including including the fries off her plate because she looks over and Faith is eating off Buffy's plate. And Joyce calls her out for being an only child, right? She's like, it's probably a good thing that she was an only child. Buffy says that she's getting her life back now and she doesn't want to go half seas on it. And I love that. I'm like, that's so true, Buffy. I get where you're coming from. And Joyce says Mm -hmm. that there are some things that she is happy that Buffy can share. And that's the slaying. And she's like, the two of you fighting, it's two is better than one, right? And what if she could take it over for you? Like, you're going to go to college (laughs) next year. And I think this is actually a really good thing for Joyce to bring up. Because last season, the first thing on Buffy's mind was maybe Kendra can take over for me. Where here, Buffy has completely embraced being a slayer because it's been two seasons Mm -hmm. and a lot has happened. And that wasn't her first thought. Her first thought was faith is overtaking my life, not faith can take over of my life like in a in a good right. positive way i agree and I, I think that's what we're supposed to see here although again i just i have to be that person i have to point out there are uncomfortable racial dynamics here where you, you know previously we had the black girl coming in and the white girl thinking oh okay the black girl can do my work for me you know like she could take over mm. and i could take it a load off right uncomfortable 
<sighs> now we have another white girl coming in. And so Buffy sees her as competition uh... instead as somebody who can like take over her her burden right so um i don't think that any of that is deliberate but this is what happens when you don't think through the racial dynamics of your characters like this so i just needed to point that out no i'm glad you did for sure it's it's like when you see it that way and the comparisons between faith and kendra and i don't think people compare those two enough Right. And we need to because there are so many differences in the way that they portray yeah. these two people. So Buffy tells Joyce that the only way you can get a new Slayer is if the old one dies. And Joyce didn't know that. And she starts. She like does a double take. Yeah. Then, like her expression. Uh, this is my favorite line of the whole episode. She's like, what? When did you die? You never told me you died. <laughs> like as if that's just supposed to come up. But what this is suggesting, right, is somewhere between like Dead Man's Party and this episode, Buffy and Joyce have sat down and Buffy has like filled Joyce in on her Slayer adventures mm -hmm. as much as she can. Obviously, she's left some things out. So it's just interesting to me because Joyce is still playing catch up, but she's clearly trying her best to be supportive. Yes. Although then the next thing she says, of course, is like, well, I know you didn't choose this. I know it chose you. And I'm trying. I'm trying so hard, Buffy. Trying to march in the Slayer Pride Parade. <laughs> I loved that. And I'm just like, I didn't. I just I like, oh. I like, liked it because it's a callback to in Becoming Part 2. And when, when I saw the comparisons between, have you tried not being a Slayer? And how that can be paralleled to somebody coming out as gay. And then being like, have you tried not being gay? So when she says the Slayer Parade, I was like, mm, okay, yep. I see the parallel again. See, I just, I didn't like that, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's an appropriate comparison necessarily to make. Mm. Um, you know, and it's also just, it brings up uncomfortable feelings of like parents expressing, like centering themselves in these experiences where it's like, I'm trying so hard to support you being gay or being queer, but it's hard for me, you know, as your parent. And it's like, it's not about you, Joyce, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether it's about Buffy being queer or the Slayer or whatever. Like, it's not about you and it's not about how hard it is for you. So stop making it about that and stop talking about how hard you're trying to support your daughter. Like, of course, you should be supporting your daughter. That's your job. You know, and I, I am pointing out like it's great that she's trying to support Buffy because but that's because this is a this is a change in their dynamic yeah. from the previous season. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. And I'm taking space for Joyce here a little bit because Joyce again processes things very. She has to process things very quickly in small scenes. But uh, it's not like she has anyone else to really talk about this stuff with. Like she, uh, Pat's dead, mm -hmm. and it's not like she could have shared with Pat <laughs> um, the yeah. information anyway. And she can't go and talk to Giles all the time. So. She has no one else to be like, I, I know this shows you, it shows you, uh, it's me, 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 me. But like, she spins, right? She spins out. We never mentioned Patty Kay. <laughs> and just kind of like with Xander and Jesse, Joyce like watched her new best friend die in her house. Yeah. So I, I just really, Joyce, I really hope that you're like seeing a good therapist and you have really high quality weed because you're going to need a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, as much as I like this conversation, I hear what you're saying. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting one to have. And I like that Buffy and Joyce hug at the end of it. And yeah. Buffy tells her, I know how to do my job. And I like that confidence, a different type of confidence that Faith is showing. And now we also have to ask, because we brought up Pat and the last episode, did Joyce take out the company plates 
for this dinner? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say yes. I feel like that's a yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, So Buffy and Faith are patrolling the alleyways and they get into a little squabble. And Faith points out that Buffy's been doing this longer, like the whole slaying thing, maybe a little too long. And Buffy is like, what is that supposed to mean? And Faith says, nothing. But Buffy says, you got a problem? And Faith is like, hey, I'm five by five, B, living entirely large, actually wondering what your problem is. And then Buffy says, hey, she may not sleep in the nude or wrestle alligators. And Faith cuts in and she's like, well, maybe you need to start because obviously something in your body needs uncorking. (laughs) And then she brings up Angel and she's like, is it the Angel thing? And of course that triggers Buffy because she stops walking and she's just like, what do you know about that? And Faith is like, your friends told me all about it. Big love, big loss. You ought to deal and move on, but you're not. And I'm, I I think Faith is saying this obviously in, a, in not a tactful way at all. I hope, but I don't have a lot of faith in the Scoobies these days. <laughs> I hope that they gave it to her with a little bit more sensitivity. <laughs> Then saying no, she not. ought to deal. I mean, this is Xander we're talking about. Remember, Xander is not pro angel, so he's probably like, yeah. And then Buffy had to stab him, and it was awesome. Oh, but I can't even put this on Xander here because I think it's Willow who would have filled Faith in on this, and Willow's the one that thinks that Buffy really needs to move on. So she's probably the one that was mm. said it like this, you know. So anyway, the point. Buffy says. Um, how about from now on, we don't hear from you on Angel or anything else in my life, which by the way, is my life. And Faith asks her why she's getting so strung out. And she's, she calls her B. And then Buffy gets in her face <laughs> and says, why are your lips still moving? F. <laughs> and they get up in each other's faces. It looks like they're about to fight. But then a vampire comes up behind Faith. Buffy throws her over. And then they start to fight. And it's Buffy against two or three. And Faith is taking on one. And I'll point out that I think one or two of these vampires are of the Asian community once again. Uh, And as Faith is beating up one, she keeps punching him repeatedly in the face and saying, this is me, you undead bastard. And she's like overboard beating on this vamp as Buffy is struggling with the other vampires. And she's saying, Faith, just stake him already and give me a hand. But Faith is so caught up in beating on this vampire, she doesn't realize that Buffy needs help. Buffy manages to get out of the situation, but not before one of the vampires that's holding her down is saying, for Kikistos, we live. For Kikistos, you die. (laughs) And Buffy manages to get out and stake these guys. And then she throws Faith aside and stakes the vampire that faith was beating up and she says what's wrong with you and faith is like what are you talking about and buffy says you know you're living large on that vampire and faith is like if doing violence to vampires upsets you i think you're in the wrong line of work and buffy's like maybe you like it a little too much and buffy points out that the job is to slay demons it's not to beat them to a bloody pulp while their friends get cornered Buffy says, I thought you could handle it yourself and walks away. <sighs> this is this is a tough scene because we're again, we're learning more about Faith. She clearly has issues. She has her own trauma, and she's working that out in this kind of hyper violent way that she pursues slaying. I think, again, without kind of getting into diagnosing Faith, Faith is showing that she's a little bit reckless. You know, Buffy is a much more careful fighter. Faith maybe doesn't care as much about her life. Maybe she feels like she has less to lose. So she's able to kind of let loose, as she would say. 
And Buffy's criticizing this because Buffy is being like, well, you kind of left me alone there. Again, comparisons to Kendra, Mm -hmm. like you were saying, Kendra was the square last time, Buffy was the free one. Like, you know, in this scene, Buffy is being Kendra. She's like, why don't you fight in a more like methodical, dispassionate way? And that was what Kendra was doing last season. And Buffy was like, no, I fight with my feelings. They make me stronger. So it's so interesting to see Buffy on the other side of that conversation now. Well, can we think about it as like, perhaps Buffy learned a lot from Kendra in the very short time that she knew her and she's taken on those traits. I I would hope so. But that's when we cut to the hallways at school where Buffy's telling Giles about what happened. And Giles is saying, well, yeah, you're bound to have different temperaments. She says, mine's the sane one. The girl is not playing with a full deck. She has almost no deck. She has a three. And Giles points out that she did kill one. She did kill a vampire. You know, she's she's a plucky fighter who got a little carried away. That's natural. And he does say that she's focused on slaying and doesn't have this whole other life that Buffy has. And Buffy's like, yeah, she doesn't need a life. She has mine. (laughs) And then, (laughs) which I liked. Um... But she's like, she basically got, almost got us both killed and she needs help. And Giles is like, okay, I'm going to reach out to her watcher at the retreat that, that they never invited him to. And he like gets wistful for a second. And he also says, yep. they don't even consider dot, dot, dot. And it's almost like he was about to complain about them, but then he doesn't. I was like, go off, Giles, go off. <laughs> you would think like Giles must have like a Tumblr somewhere where he's <laughs> just like, I guess I would guess live journal back then, but he's just like you know, secret diary of a, a watcher. And he's just like, yeah, so these other watchers, weird. they're not inviting me. I'm left out and, oh, I have no friends and like all this stuff. You know Giles would bring the good booze, right? Oh, like, hell yeah. Giles is like, I'd only go to the retreat if Giles was going so I could try to get with him. So... Oh my God. <laughs> Down. <laughs> just saying. So... He's asking Buffy about the vampires that attacked him, right? Are there any details about them that he can try to like figure out where they're from? Ancient or modern dress, amulets, cultish tattoos. And Buffy's like, I think they said something about like kissing toast or like taquitos or something like that. And Giles is like, kakistos? Like right away. <laughs> He's so quick. I know. It's like, how did you get that? I love that. Kissing toast. Kissing toast. And um, they go to the library and Giles is saying, kakistos is, gr- is Greek for making worst of the worst. Like the worst of the worst. And I love this. And we're going to start using kakistos all the time. Because I'll be like, oh man, this situation is so conquistas. And it's also the name of a vampire that's so old that his hands and feet are cloven. And I was like, what? Right. So this is very interesting to me, right? Because in season one, we meet the master and we're told the master is like 600 years old. And that's why he's got the whole like bat Nosferatu type makeup going on. He's like permanently in vamp face. (laughs) And it's like, okay, but he doesn't have, he didn't have hooves. So his conquistas older than the master is he younger is it like why is, is this like a like an eevee kind of pokemon thing where it's like <laughs> depending on what you do you can evolve into a different form of your next vampire form like i don't oh, yeah. i don't understand how any of this works i like that maybe yeah perhaps Kokistos is the evolved form of the master and if the master had been able to open the hellmouth like he wanted he also would have gotten cloven hands <laughs> and like reached leveled up Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. So anyway, Buffy says that this guy shows up at the same time as her bestest new little sister makes it on the scene. So she thinks they're connected because there's only two things that she doesn't believe in. Coincidences. She's right. And leprechauns. She's so right. 
Buffy is on it this episode. And Giles is saying it's probably a coincidence. Giles, come get your get your your head is in this retreat. Okay, you need to like come back to Earth, Giles. I'm doing I'm doing that. I'm acting out that gif right now of the white monkey. It's like why why is that a monkey or a cat? I thought it was a cat. It's a monkey. Why? Why? And <laughs> he also confirms that le- lep- leprechauns don't exist, as far as he knows. So Buffy is going to go talk to Faith and see if Kakistos or Kissing Toast rings a bell to her, and Giles is going to reach out to the Watchers in the hallway. Buffy runs into who? Who is this again? Oh yeah, it's Scott. He runs. She runs into Scott, and she is trying to like leave, but he's making a last ditch effort to talk to her. And he says, before, this is the last time before it qualifies as stalking. <laughs> Which, good for you, Scott, for being aware of this. And could you maybe do a seminar for Xander? Because Xander does not understand this No, stuff. Xander needs to learn. And um, Scott, yeah, you're boring, but I like your style. I do. He says that he's given a lot of thought on how to be part of Buffy's life. Okay, so I will say that this scene is a little bit pushy for me, but I understand that it's also very sweet. So... He says, what I want to do is like get to know you over a cup of coffee or there's a Buster Keaton festival apparently playing in Sunnydale this weekend, which is like a film festival or something. And Buffy is really flattered and she's like into this idea. And I will say like a film festival is actually a really cute idea for a first date. And Buffy is telling him though that she does that, you know, what from what she's seen of him so far, she's she, there might be time to see a little more. Basically, she's being coy and saying like, yeah, she'd, she'd be interested to go. And Scott then says, and this is what I mean when it's a little bit too much. Scott then says he got her a present and he gives her a box and he says the guy at the retro st- shop said that it represents friendship, which is one I want to have with you. So like the intention is good. I just think it's kind of like, whoa, like back it up, buddy. Why are you giving her gifts right away? Buffy opens it up and what is it? It's a clutter ring. <laughs> Oh my, oh my. And she drops it to the ground in shock. And she's like freaking out internally, but it's also all over her face. And Scott gets the message. And that's what I like about Scott, actually, is Scott Scott sees this and he's like, okay, he picks up the ring. He's like, I get the message. Goodbye. And he leaves her. He's like, I upset her. Holy shit. Giles comes up to Buffy just then and sees her standing there in shock and in tears and he goes to touch her and i was like no <laughs> don't touch her yeah. but he goes to comfort her and buffy recoils from that and she says she's fine and then she wipes away a tear and she says did you reach the retreat and giles says that faith's watcher is dead <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <gasps> did faith kill her own watcher Ooh, ooh! is that what you think they're implying here? I like it. I think that's something they want us to consider, right? Because I think, again, the episode is trying to imply Faith is evil or, you know, something not on the level. We cut to a motel where we have your stereotypical motel manager in like a wife beater tank top. (laughs) And and Aaron. (laughs) Somewhat portly guy. (laughs) And he's, uh, (laughs) he's giving Faith a hard time about not paying her room bill. And Faith is like, oh, I'll get you the money by tomorrow. So we're clearly seeing that Faith is hard up. She's really struggling with money and stuff. Buffy shows up during this conversation. Faith is trying to turn on the charm, which, again, we're learning that Faith is using her sexuality in a very uncomfortable way of like, it's almost as if she is, to live. she thinks that that is, yeah, well, it's, it's I think that's part of her self-worth, right? Mm-hmm. Is knowing that she's attractive and, and feeling like, 
she ha- she feeling like she's sexually empowered, but is she really? That's something we can talk about in, in upcoming episodes. Yeah. So Buffy shows up, and this guy's like, roommates are extra. <laughs> and Buffy's like, I'm just visiting. And so, well, okay, so... Faith is living in a dive hotel. And why is she um, not getting a stipend from the Watchers Council? Like, why? why it's 18 bucks a night. I mean, a Buffy night. doesn't get one. None of these women get are getting it. paid. Ugh. Does Giles get paid to be a Watcher? I don't know. Like, like she shouldn't be struggling uh, like this. They should be like, okay, here, we're here. We're going to put you here. We'll pay for your 18 bucks a night. Like, <laughs> yeah. So Faith is like, what brings you to the poor side of town, B? Uh, and Buffy... Gets right down to business. She's like, I'm here about guy who goes by the name of Kikistos, you know, <laughs> cloven hooves for hands and feet. Uh, and Faith, like her demeanor changes. And suddenly she's not confident anymore. She's scared. And she's mm-hmm. like, what do you know about him? And Buffy's like, he's here. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she's like, we're not happy to see old friends, are we? And basically the whole, everything is coming out now, right? So... Faith is talking about how, like, he killed her watcher and she she just kind of, like, couldn't do anything. And she finally, like, was able to take him on and, and she she got his eye like we already established. But basically, like, while they're talking, Faith is already grabbing her bag and starting to pack clothes. And Buffy's like, well, I can help you with this. Like, we can deal with this together. And Faith's like, no, you know, this is my problem. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to move on. And, and this is such an interesting conversation, right? Because these are echoes from Dead Man's Party about how previously Buffy's reaction was to run away mm-hmm. and, and not accept help, right? And now Buffy's in the position of saying, don't go. You know, you should accept help. We can do this together. And at least Buffy understands Faith in this way. Like, that's one thing that we can always say about the Slayers yeah. is, like, they're very different and they have different backgrounds, but they understand this feeling of loneliness and feeling like the only one so faith is running away and buffy understands that instinct and she's she's pouncing on it right like you can't just run away and unfortunately Mm -hmm. buffy didn't have a buffy to come and tell her that when she ran away your buffy's like you're you know you're gonna run away and faith's like well i'm gonna take care of this by myself and buffy's like oh Oh. just like you took care of your watcher and there's a little bit of criticism there yeah. Because um, Buffy's very protective of Giles. And that's where we hear from Faith, right? That she couldn't. She felt powerless. Um, and this is where we're seeing Faith's vulnerability, right? She puts on that brave face. But at the end of the day, she is running. She came to Sunnydale under those false pretenses, not to compare notes, like she said. But she is running from this vampire. And she ran somewhere she thought she might be safer, maybe get some help. But now she's too scared to get help. It actually gave me chills when Faith says that this demon killed her watcher and she says they don't have a word for what he did to her. And I like that she said her. I didn't like from this at this point, I didn't know that watchers could be women. Right. This is the first time they're mentioning that. And the fact that Faith was so shook by what they did to her watcher, I was like, oh, my God, what did they do? Like, Tell us what they did to her. I want to know. Probably made her unsubscribe from her cable. (laughs) They also That's a particular form of torture. They also read her Xander's history homework. <laughs> so, they read her Xander's love poetry to Buffy. <laughs> so, uh, well, rest in peace, peace watcher. So they knock at the hair, knock the door, and it's the landlord looking through the hole. And Faith says, oh, uh, "What now?" And she opens the door, but no, it's Kakisos. <laughs> 
Well, and he obviously looks dead when we see through the people, yeah, right? He's like, he's obviously dead, yeah, but yeah. Faith is too out of it to really pay attention. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, that was the most transparent. Like, why don't they just burst down the door? Like, yeah, seriously. They're like, let's just do it this way. It's way more fun. So the Kakistos grabs Faith by the neck, and there's a bunch of vampires surrounding them, and Buffy pushes him back, closes the door, and Kakistos just breaks the door. Like you're saying, why didn't they just do that first? Faith is just screaming. She's going, no, no, no. She's like terrified. And Buffy's like, scream later, escape now. And they run out the window and they run down the alleyway and they end up in this factory. And Faith says that when he killed her watcher and she saw what he did to her uh, and what he was going to do to her, to Faith, she just ran away. And Buffy says something really nice here where she says... The first rule of slaying, don't die. So you did the right thing. You didn't die. Now you do the math. One of him, two of us. And that's when they realize that they're in his lair or his factory or whatever because there's dead bodies everywhere. And they're like, oh my God, he drove us here. I was like, did he? Did it? Or was it just coincidence that you happened to run in there? So vampires are coming in from all sides. Buffy is, starts beating them up. She, she actually kicks a bucket at one, which is actually really hilarious. And um, as she's fighting them, Kakistos is approaching Faith, who's backing away from him. And Buffy throws Faith a weapon and says, Faith, don't die. <laughs> Kakistos kicks Faith over, and Mr. Trick is watching Buffy fight these other vamps. And Kakistos picks up Faith and starts to punch her in the face. Buffy dusts another vamp. And then, okay, so... Mr. Trick says to a remaining female vampire, he says, if we don't do something, the master could get killed. And then he says, well, our prayers are with him. There is a reason these vengeance crusades are out of style. See, the modern vampire, we see the big picture. <laughs> and then he, they leave. Yeah, he pieces out. He's yeah. basically abandoning his boss, which honestly, fair. Like, yeah. Kikisto strikes me as not a good boss. He clearly didn't care about Mr. Trick as a person or employee. He's just like, Mr. Trick, talk to me. Like... He's hired Mr. Trick to do a job. Job's done. Yep. They found the Slayer. Yep. Now, not your fault. You can't close the deal, Mr. Kikistos. So Mr. Trick pieces out. Smart. Um, we're going to see him again. And it's just, he's a fun villain. He like, is. I just want to say that, right? Like, he's a fun time. I want him you know? to be like so... part of the bigger arc of the season, for sure. He's really he cool. Kind of, he kind of is, you know, he without is. going to spoilers right now. He kind of is. Yeah, so. I'm glad. Let, let's I like see what him. happens. I like him a lot. And um, I will say, Kikisto sucks, and I don't know why he has this big <laughs> reputation. How did he survive this long? Because... Right? It's not that intimidating, but we're, we're he's seeing... He's like the three. Yeah. We're seeing here this difference between Buffy and Faith, which is Faith has all these stories that she likes to talk up, right? I fought alligators. I fought three vampires naked. Like, she has all these stories of her wins. Where are the stories of her losses? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think Buffy has learned a resilience that has given her a strength and a courage that Faith might be lacking at this point. Faith is high off of her wins, but maybe, like, Kikistos was like the first vampire she faced who really kind of like posed a threat. Whereas Buffy was dealing with the master from day one. Yeah. And she had so many setbacks and she has lost people. And it's so traumatic, but it's also forging her into a much stronger person. Immature. Whereas Faith, like we've said, like she hasn't been the Slayer as long. And because of her background and maybe not having as much support and stuff the the experience she's had so far where she's been beaten by Kakistos and watched her watcher die in front of her, it's left her shaken and broken in a way that, you know, for all of her bluster, 
all of her violence, she doesn't quite have the same resilience that Buffy has yet. Yeah, she's only been out a couple months. Buffy's had two years of terrible things happening to her. So it, it does show yeah. Buffy's maturity in this in this area. So Buffy um, tries to stake Kikistos, but it doesn't work because, I don't know, he's just too old. He's, he's too cloven. I don't know. Um, but the stake just goes in her, his chest and does nothing. That's when Faith stands up. She grabs a giant wooden plank and spears him. And he dusts. And it's so easy. I was like, man, this is like, like you're so forgettable, Kukistos. You're more forgettable than Scott. Yeah, like this is nothing like Buffy firing a crossbow at the master and he catches it right in front of his heart. Like, no big deal. Like, yeah. Kukistos, dude, from the moment you showed up and you're like, I'm going to suck the marrow from her bones. I'm like... Yeah, you're not intimidating. No, like Ampata or like Makita, like that snake penis. <laughs> like they had a bigger fight than you. So <laughs> anyway, Buffy and, and Faith just stare. And then Buffy says, are you hungry? And Faith says, starved. And they go off to go eat and possibly be horny together. Well, if they're hungry, it also means they're horny. Yeah. So what else went on? Exactly. So, okay, so at school the next day, Giles is saying to Buffy and Willow in the library that the council has approved their request Faith is to stay here indefinitely, and Giles will look after them both until a new Watcher is assigned. Giles, why didn't you know that Faith's Watcher died? Why didn't you know that? The Watchers are so bad at communication. It sucks. They suck. So Because they're Watchers. They're not tellers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Buffy says, um, good, because Faith really came through in the end, and she has a lot to deal with, but she did it. She got it behind her. And Giles is like, glad to hear. And Buffy really takes that in. And I like that Buffy kind of learned from Faith here, right? Faith conquered her fear and and overcame mm -hmm. it. So she then says, Angel was cured. Giles is like, I'm sorry. And B Giles and Willow are staring at Buffy. And Buffy says it. She says, when I killed him, Angel was cured. Your spell worked, Willow, at the last minute. And I was about to take him out. And something went through him and he was angel again. He didn't remember anything that he'd done. He just held me. I'm going to cry because this is such a moving moment. But it was too late and I had to do it. So I told him that I loved him and I kissed him and I killed him. And of course, the Buffy and Angel theme song starts to play while she's saying this story. And Giles and Willow are looking at her super concerned. And Willow, I think... I read a little bit of guilt, like you're saying, but like more so the fact that like she she did do it. The spell worked. Yeah, the spell worked. And Buffy had to kill Angel, not Demon Angel. And Buffy says that she didn't know, she doesn't know if this is going to help with Giles' spell. And Giles says it will. And Willow says, I'm sorry. And Buffy just says, it's okay. I've been holding on to that for so long. It felt good to get it out. And then she's like, I'll see you guys later. And she leaves. And Willow and Giles are quiet for a moment. And then Willow says to Giles, I know you don't want me playing with mystical forces, but I can really help you with this binding spell. So Willow, like this obsession with your magic, like your friend just told you something really important, like take it in, don't get caught up in the spell. And that's when Giles says, there is no spell. Oh, shit. Oh, son. look at this. Look at this Giles, therapist work going you, on here. You sneaky, sneaky motherfucker. I love it. I love it. And Willow takes that in. And I like I don't know why we're focusing on Willow's disappointment that there is no spell for her to help with. I don't think that was disappointment. I okay. think that was Willow reacting like we are of like, oh, shit, like Giles. Like, OK, I get it. Like, yeah. right. Because this is Giles recognizing that Buffy is is holding something inside of her that's causing her pain. Mm -hmm. 
but he can't just be like spit it out Buffy like tell us all you know tell us everything that happened talk to us because people don't like that Mm -hmm. like people don't want to do that so he came up with this um deception this ruse if you will to get Buffy to confess basically what happened and, and her own guilt around things and I'm thinking that's Willow, you know, game recognizing game here. Okay, so, okay, all right. That's oh a that's goodness. a very generous. That's a more generous reading than I was giving her because I was like, oh, she was more like, oh, I don't get to do a spell, boo. I, I see what you're saying, yeah. but no, I I think that's the whole point of that happening at the very end of the scene was just like for like the mic drop of like, <laughs> wow, Childs, well played. Well, I know he's a genius. That man is a sexy genius. So Buffy, <laughs> Buffy finds Scott in the hallway. And she was waiting for him after class. And she's like, the ring confused me. She explains. She's like, the ring confused me. Uh, There used to be somebody. But um, I liked what you said about friendship and the film festival. And it sounds like fun. And she's rambling a bit. But she basically is telling him she wants to go with him. And Scott looks really uncomfortable at first. He's like, I need to think about this. He starts to walk away. But then he immediately turns around. And he's like, I thought about it. And I'm in. Like, when do you want to go? Psych. And Buffy is just saying that there's one thing she needs to do that night and then she's good to go. So, okay, so, you know, this is a very forgettable kind of guy, but Buffy is willing to start taking those extra steps to start to move on now that she's released that painful story and she's told the people that are important to her and she feels ready to start moving on. So we cut to the mansion where Becoming Part 2 was. The Angel and Buffy theme song is playing again. And... Buffy is staring at the spot where she killed Angel and she kneels down and she says goodbye. And then she places the clotter ring that Angel gave her on the ground. She takes a moment to let that sink in. She looks up, she stands up and she turns to walk away and it's a very big far off shot. And then <sighs> Kara, perhaps you should explain. I think you should explain this scene because I don't think I can do it. I need a moment. I need a moment. Okay, so Buffy leaves and the ring is sitting there on the ground and then it starts to glow and there's this there's this like disruption, you know, like the, the kind of like the lightning effect from the portal that we saw in Becoming Part 2 and some sounds and this port the portal opens and there's this big flash of light and a, a naked... <gasps> angel tumbles out of the portal and falls onto the ground and he just kind of like looks like weak and and, you know like all we see is like that's all we see we see angel he's on the ground he's back and then the episode ends and it's just like wow so so what does this mean i i yeah that's a good question what does it mean are you surprised though i'm not surprised because david boreanaz has been in the credits so far this season so it kind of felt obvious to me that they were going to find a way to bring angel back in some capacity um so i i I don't see this as a shocking thing and again maybe first time watchers can can write in with their hot stakes about were you surprised by angel returning in this way i i think it's maybe surprising how he comes back but i agree with you it's like what does this mean what does it mean for angel and buffy Mm -hmm. what does it mean for the rest of sunnydale you know, and what does it mean that oh. when Buffy finally meets a very nice, normal high school boy that she's going to go on a date with, Angel drops from the sky oh. completely naked onto the ground, and here we go, here we, we go. We knew they weren't going to work out. Well, I mean, I, my hopes are not high for Scott here, but yeah. I am elated. 
Angel's back and he's sweaty and naked and I can't deal and like what does this mean? So I'm so excited for the next episode. So excited. Okay. Uh who's your hero? Who's your hero? You tell me. My hero is Giles. Yeah. I want to say it was Buffy because you know, Buffy did a really good job this episode. She was very helpful to Faith, but the moment Giles was like, there is no spell, I'm just like, damn, like Giles, you win. <laughs> Giles <laughs> like, with the ninja mic moves. drop, we're done. That was the cleverest part of this episode. Yeah, I agree. And it, I love that it came at the very end. I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh, great. They can do a spell. But like, here it is. Um, I agree. Giles is the hero of this episode. What? I love <laughs> the the Jedi moves that he's pulling in this episode. So Okay. 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 So let's just get to our hot stake. We had Alice write in uh, with an assist because in our Anne episode, we pondered to ourselves, has Buffy ever called herself the Vampire Slayer before? She says in the factory, I'm Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we were like, did she ever say that before? I don't know. Because we know very little about the show. <laughs> and Alice wrote in. Well, we don't have that type of memory. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Alice wrote in and she says, Buffy has never called herself Buffy the Vampire Slayer before on the show. She has called herself the Slayer a bunch and will continue to do so. However, she only calls herself Buffy the Vampire Slayer one more time in the series, which obviously we cannot share right now. Thanks, Alice. We love when people actually hear us ponder something and like maybe someone else will tell us. You did that, Alice. Thanks so much. <laughs> I can't wait to catch that next time she says it. Uh, also... Alice is one of our new Scooby supporters through Buy Me a Coffee. So we'll take this opportunity to shout you out, Alice. We'll shout you out on social media at some point soon. Thank you so much for your support. You're the best. Thanks so much. Uh, another shout out to another new Scooby, Alexandra. Thank you for supporting us. And we've got a few more Scoobies who have joined us. I've just reached out just like to get like name pronunciations correct and stuff before we shout you out. And so thank you for that. And then we have... A Slayer has entered the chat. Um, oh my gosh, a Slayer. So thank you very much, Alicia. So we're going to give you a little bit of love right now. So we're asking people who join at the Slayer level for these little thank you segments we're going to do to just tell us a little bit more about kind of like your experience with Buffy. Share with us so we can share with our listeners. Um, so Alicia says, I fell in love with Buffy in middle school when I watched and quickly realized that it was one of the only shows on TV featuring strong, complex female characters. So I think that's probably something a lot of other fans, especially uh, female fans of the show, can identify with. Mm -hmm. So she shares that her favorite episodes are Becoming Part 2. So Kindred Spirits with Stephanie. Buddy. Uh, and as well, another one we haven't seen yet, Fool for Love. And Alicia says, thematically, I love episodes where a girl is discovering who she is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I can agree with that. You know, like episodes where Buffy is questioning things about herself and her identity is like the Slayer or a high school girl and stuff. I think those are some of the most interesting episodes of the show. Yeah, I agree with you too. And then finally, um, Alicia shares this little fun fact with us that uh, she's pretty sure she got accepted into a fairly prestigious university solely because of my very passionately written essay trying to prove that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a piece of art. It certainly <laughs> wasn't because of my grades. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious, but good for you. Congratulations on, on being accepted. Yeah. And I hope that has gone well for you or is going well, or I don't know how old you are or if you're still <laughs> at university. But like that's the thing, right, is we've had other listeners write into us and talk to us about how like they do their papers 
on Buffy. Yeah. And, and I think, it, A, I think it's great that more and more um, institutions are recognizing that Buffy is a cultural phenomenon that we should be critiquing as a piece of media. And I love, you know, people talking about that and, and writing into us and being like, yeah, I did my thesis on Buffy. It's like, mm -hmm. go you. Seriously. And where? Because like, I didn't get to do that. I wasn't smart enough to think that through. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for your support, Alicia, um, at the Slayer level. Uh, fortunately, for people who support us on Buy Me A Coffee, if you become a Slayer, you, the previous one doesn't have to die, unlike in Buffy. So, <laughs> so feel good. <laughs> uh, we hope to have many Slayers joining our ranks soon. But if you want to support us... Any level of support is welcome. One-time donations are welcome. Or just shout us out on social media. You know, share us with your friends. Go walk up to your postal delivery person and be like, hey, do you listen to podcasts? Like, <laughs> you know, they probably do if they're walking around a lot. But you should be like, you should watch, you should listen to this yeah. Buffy podcast. Just spread the word. And keep listening. Like, just, oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Um, of course, this new buy me a coffee thing is really exciting for us. And we love people like Alicia who are subscribing. But we appreciate everybody who listens and engages with us. So thank you so much. Well, Steph, I got to say, every time I record a podcast episode with you, I end up hungry. Um, not necessarily horny. So I'm going to go deal with the hungry part. And I'll deal with the horny part. <laughs> I, I, from what I can tell okay. between Giles and Angel in this episode. Whew. I'm going to take a long break. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Uh. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and prophecy underscore girls on Twitter. You can also reach out to our email at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca. See you next week. Bye.